0: Welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I'm your host Richard Taylor Jr. Today is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Hope that you all are doing well. So we are kicking off a brand new month of this podcast. I've got so much in store for you all. We're going to be doing a few different series that will be running simultaneously through this month, obviously with everything that's been going on with COVID-19. So I'm going to be doing a series uh, for people, but it's going to be pastors that are are, are from around the country that I got joining me every week, different pastors that will be talking about the approach that we as people, as believers, as those who are supposed to be here to love and serve others can be ready and prepared, not only during this time, but after COVID-19 is done. Those will be airing on Mondays. And of course, Every Thursday, I will be coming back to you guys with conversations for our students, our TRIO students, our student access and success students, and students from around the world who are currently going through the ebb and flow and the changes with COVID-19. And that is where we start today off. I am so excited. I've got a phenomenal young brother that I met. And I'm saying young like I'm old and I'm not, so we're definitely not going to do that. But I got a phenomenal brother that I got a chance to meet um, back at Bowling Green State University mid-October of 2019. My brother T. James is on the line with us today, and I'm so excited. He's got not only a phenomenal story, but um just with with what he carries I think that is going to be really good when it comes to being able to give you all the students something to not only uh drive you but to to live off of and and to just give you a different perspective man this dude has a story of triumph and perseverance that I think is so phenomenal I remember him sharing a, a portion of it with me um when we were sitting down and talking for the few minutes that we had at Bowling Green and I was just like amazed that like yo like You were able to come back from what and what and do what. And that's not everybody's story because the reality is that when we get hit with stuff, some of us stay down. Right. And he didn't. So I'm excited to have him on here. He's a scholar turned felon and then turned back on the road to redemption. He's a founder and CEO of Beat the Odds Campaign. He's a motivator, an innovator and an educator all the way from Detroit, Michigan. Joining the Between the Dream podcast today, I got my man T. James. T. James, what's up, bro? What's going on, Rich man? What's the deal, man? Thanks I can't for call it man. Yes, like, sir. You couldn't,
1: have said it, you couldn't have said it no better, man. <laughs> you took, you literally took all the words out my mouth. Uh, I wanna first and foremost just thank you for having me on the show today. It's an honor. I remember uh, me you back in October too, man. I'm like, man, I gotta connect with him, like in some way, some form, some fashion. I gotta let him uh, know who I am and have my name be heard. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, uh, man, I'm all the way from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Currently, in my last semester, a hectic semester at that at Bowling Green State University, (laughs) uh, studying in media and production, minor in marketing. Uh, As you said before, I am uh, the creator of Beat the Odds. It's an undergraduate research project that I started uh, that talks about the African American male experience uh, and the things that we go through as we matriculate uh, and transgress through college, whether that's a a HBCU or PWI or anything to that nature. Uh, I've had the ability to uh, do several speaking engagements, uh, different podcasts, just like this one. So again, man, I appreciate you for having me on.
0: Yes, sir, bro. And I I appreciate you too, man. Um, I know it's been a long time coming, uh, five or six months that we've taken to finally get you on a a podcast episode. And I'm super excited about it, man. Um, I'm excited about your journey. And I think, too, just the, the level of energy you carry. And when I say energy, I'm not just talking about the charisma but I feel like when we talk about people who really set the bar and are able mm-hmm. to go out, you said something that was really strong a second ago when you talked about, um, I gotta let you know who I am. <laughs> and, 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 and I, so let's, we gonna we go we keep it a buck, right? Um, some people right. get intimidated by that, right? Um, I mm-hmm. saw a post that you put up not too long ago, we're talking about folks not being able to support you um, when it comes to uh-huh. just life in general, because sometimes they, they're fearful that one, you're coming to take their spot, two, that, you know, oh, you, you carry too much. And instead of looking at people from a standpoint of ally, community, uh-huh. collaboration, it's very easy for them to just kind of like shun them away. And, right. and I'm gonna be completely, I've never shared, I swear y'all listen, I've never shared this with him before, so I'm sharing this for the first time right now. <laughs> One of the things that actually got me so excited when you approached me was that you reminded me of me literally five to six years earlier mm-hmm. um, in that moment of carrying that confidence that says like, no, like, if I believe in myself and I believe in my journey and I believe in my story and what I've gone through and what I've experienced to overcome, I have to boldly be able to go out and share that and not yeah. be afraid to put myself out there in front of people. And I love that, bro, because some folks i mean we live in that space now where um i think that some people are afraid to ask and then some people don't know how to ask right that's true and 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 the how to ask is important you know i think a lot of times we just think like yo let me just hit this person up and like yo put me on but i think it's a greater (laughs) thing when when you can build community in that right i'm a a relationship a relationship it's
1: building a relationship. Ain't no, I, I got the mindset, nobody just gonna give you nothing in life. You know what I'm saying? Like during my time and during my tenure, things that I went through, I did a lot of reading. Uh, and then I, I read those type of conceptual books like 48 Laws of Power mm-hmm. or Power with 50 Cent and Robert Green. And it and it talks about like strategies and tactics that you need to do in certain instances and how you move in certain ways, like the yeah. game checkers you know what I mean yes sir yeah checkers so it, my approach to things is like I always want to be tenacious but I'm a humble guy I've been humbled by situations that I've been through so I Most look definitely at different perspective you know if, if you don't go for what you want to go for then somebody else gonna go for it and take it from you
0: absolutely man and I think you know you you carry the right heart and approach with it which I think is so important man so you you mentioned a few things. I don't want to jump into your life story just yet, but I do want to like man take 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 me back. tell me about or tell us, I should say, about the beat the odds campaign before we jump into the nitty gritty. Tell us about the beat the odds campaign, bro.
1: Okay, so the beat the odds campaign it really started uh, when I was uh, when I first started undergraduate uh, school back in uh, two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really started the program in 2013. Ironically, I was a part of the Ronald McNair Scholar program. Uh, that's oh, yeah. right with the service. My boy
0: is with Trio. Yes, sir.
1: He with the stuff, <laughs> y'all. Trio, what's yeah. up? <laughs> so so I started the program and what I when I initially started the program for is as a backup plan, really. Like, you know, this is a program that's gonna be a shoe-in for me for grad school. I know if I don't land a perfect job right out of college, I can I know I got a grad school, go get a master's degree on a back burner. Mm-hmm. So program and with the program you had to do a research project you had to start to do undergraduate research so other people in the program they have more you know common or formidable type of science type of research data analysis and things like that me being a medium production uh background and major i wasn't in the science uh, category at all wow. so i had to, to i had to try to you know come up with something to where you know it, it still affected me it still hit home for me but mm-hmm. it was something actually be researched and find more information on so of course just me as a as a black man as a black individual uh at the college university those numbers are scarce Mm -hmm. you know up against Mm -hmm. the eyes already hence the name so I wanted to figure out like how did I get to college I'm you know nearly uh, a year away from completing college and nearly more than 60 to 70 percent of the uh, guys that I came into college with or Mm -hmm. that I'm school that went to college they're not there anymore you know, they're at home. They, they dropped out. They, they're, they're working nine to five jobs or things of that nature are not working at all. So I wanted to figure out, like, if I know if I'm a black man and I f- fit this demographic and I fit these same stipulations, why can I go out and, you know, earn my degree and, and they don't? You know what right. I mean? I'm yep. affected by the same things that they're affected about.
0: No, so I, uh, I think that's great.
1: Yeah, so with the campaign specifically, um, I started doing the research, and I just got more tied into it. Like it, be, it began to help me do some self-reflection. So uh, with any research, you know, anything that you know is proven must be tested. You know, that's how you find answers. Yeah. So I believe that you know my life and my story, hence my uh, the auto ethnographic methodology of it is how I find my research. Yeah, I go back. And I find certain instances in my life, in certain situations, in certain theoretical frameworks that I faced as an African American uh, man from an urban community while matriculating through college. So that's where it all stemmed from. That's where it all came from. And then as this time went on, and situations came about, it beca- it became more powerful. It became like a snowball effect. So it started mm-hmm. with a little snowball up on the hill. Then as it began to get the rolling, and certain situations became. Became to, became to come about and ended up to what it is right now today.
0: Yeah, that's dope, bro. And I'm I'm so I'm so happy and humbled um just to hear, you know, the work that you're doing. I'm really excited about going into some of these conversation points with you, but I know that before we do that, the the listeners need to understand um exactly why your heart is in it the way it is, right? So, um, I I mentioned early on story of triumph and perseverance, right? Talked about the scholar turned felon. And then back to the mm-hmm. role of redemption to be a scholar, man. Can you just take us through that? Tell us about it. Break it down for us. What was, what, what happened? How did it happen? Mm-hmm. Like, just give us what you can.
1: Okay. So, uh, you know, being a complete 100% with you guys, it, it was something that I never could have imagined would have happened to me uh, a day in my life. You know, I, I felt like when it all happened, it was a nightmare. Mm. Take you guys back to, uh I even go back earlier before college. Uh, uh, my my uh, sophomore year in high school, you know, I had an older brother. And, you know, everybody in my family and where I came from in Detroit, they sell drugs, they rob, they kill. So I'm a first-generation college student. I had three older sisters and one older brother. Uh, my dad passed when I was nine years old uh, from drug activity uh, and gang violence. At 16, you know, I looked up to my older brother. You know, he was involved in that same life. He died because of drug and gun violence and gang activity. So at that point, I feel like it was a turning point in my life because I seen all the things as a youth uh, that he was able to get monetary-wise popularity. Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted that because as a kid, you soak up information like a sponge. So at first, you know, college was not anything that I always seen in my family. I seen drugs. I seen guns. I seen that type of lifestyle. So, of course, it's kind of the lifestyle I adapted to but when I got to high school, 11th grade, 12th grade, playing sports, uh, I became a part of a mentoring organization uh, through my coaches and through uh, some of the, uh, the teachers and staff at that school, and it opened my eyes up to what college was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I always was a, you know, a smart young man, you know what I mean? But I still always had a mischievous side to me as well. You know, I thought I could you know, have a left foot in and a right foot in.
0: Yeah,
1: so Brings me to college now. Uh, I end up getting the opportunity going to Bowling Green State University, full scholarship, uh, academic and leadership scholarship, because I was involved in different organizations back in high school. Uh, I was involved in sports teams. Uh, I was involved in student council and things of that nature. And yes,
0: both
1: specifically had a opportunity for individuals who were from Detroit, Michigan, because they know how difficult it is coming out of that environment and even making it to college. So yeah. if you have any kind of hope, they gave you this type of opportunity, and I thanked them for that. So I got to college. I matriculated well through college. Like, everything was going well. But as I say again, I try to keep a left foot in and a right foot in at the same time. And it's, it's no in between is what I, I came to realize. Uh, and what I mean by that is that I bought that mentality and that lifestyle of drugs uh, and selling drugs and doing things of that nature to the college campus when I shouldn't have even though i was still on a on a path of academic success mm-hmm. i still had uh in my personal life uh, on the side uh so i will bring you to 2013 uh it was ironically we met in october 2 uh, of last year mm-hmm. in my city but In october uh 2013 at oh, wow. Bowling. um i dealt with a few individuals uh one that i had just met that year another guy that i had known since my freshman year who had been in and out of school uh, during the semesters, like he had drop out one semester, come back another semester. Mm-hmm. You know, we were uh, we were up there uh, you know, selling drugs specifically. You know, I had I wasn't fully in committed. I was more like an investor, I would say. Like I wouldn't hand in to hand. get
0: that dollar. I, I was still so
1: academically sound that a lot of people on the campus knew me, so I couldn't be the same person as on campus doing these things and still on the side in my social life doing things of that nature. But it was like a popularity game. I didn't know how to differentiate the T. James from Detroit, Michigan that mm-hmm. was following family, family legacy to the T. James that came to college and tried to make a new path. Uh, so in short, what happened on uh, in October, 2013, uh, we went to make a, a drug transaction. Uh, it was a large transaction. And in the midst of that transaction, we uh, got into it into a heated argument with the individuals that the drugs were being bought from. Mm-hmm of the guys, uh, he uh, assumed that another individual that we were with had been stealing from him uh, from the coming weeks beforehand. And in that moment, I was with one of the individuals, the guy that I had barely even knew, and he had a, a gun on him. He pulled the gun out, and from there, it just everything goes to the left. Hmm. You know, end up leaving the guys that I come up with. We end up leaving the drugs because, of course, the guy who has the gun, he's the enforcer. He has the gun and he leaves with the drugs. And at that point, I didn't even think, you know, this was something that could even happen. Like, I didn't I didn't even know I was going to find myself in a situation like this. But it's like, you know, when you play the game and you're in the game, you got to be prepared and ready for uh, whatever comes with it. And this was a part of the game that I had to be ready for. Uh, so then at that point, um, you know, Bowling Green is just such a small city, a small school. The it, it got around in like less than 15 minutes. The police were everywhere. Um I was not there, but you know uh the individuals uh that the situation happened to uh they were able to identify other guys that I was with things of that nature and and, and that's just how the story played out specifically uh it was it was a it was a difficult time because the next day uh I was walking uh, with one of the individuals that I was in a situation with, and uh, they had us walking on campus together. He was the one that was identified, and I was standing with him. Uh, They sent out an email to that entire university uh, saying that these two guys may have something to do with the robbery uh, that took place yesterday. (laughs) Man, Rich, when I tell you at that point when that email went out, I had 100 missed calls on my phone because everybody, everybody, every staff, every student, every organization leader was blowing my phone up like, hey, is this you? sending text messages. Hey, is this you on the TV? Like, we, is this you on the email? Like, they're saying that these two guys may have uh, implications in a robbery that took place yesterday. And at that point, man, I could just hold my head down, and, and I couldn't actually believe what was actually beginning to happen. Uh, I began sick to my stomach uh, seeing that email with my picture on it uh, and seeing uh, my name being brought up as uh, a suspect in a, in, a, in a situation like this. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I actually went home that next day after I seen that email go out. I just, I couldn't stay around on the campus. Uh, I began to talk to my family, but I didn't even tell them the, the situation that was going on. Cause me being me, I was thinking I was going to be able to just talk my way out of this situation. Mm-hmm. What I did is I, I let my scholarship advisors know like, Hey, I had nothing to do with anything, which I, I did because I had been doing this uh, for so long. Uh, I went in uh, and I talked to the police which what I thought was just gonna be a hey, I didn't have anything to do with anything. See you guys later. Have a nice day. Uh, but what that turned into was them telling me to put my hands behind my back and take right.
0: them to yeah. Oh wow, wow. So man, you 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 definitely carried a heavy experience when it came to just the decision piece um in a, a moment's time, right? Mm-hmm. And so you carry such a a dope experience that I think is, is amazing when we talk about somebody who had already kind of seen um, a little bit of success from good decisions, but at the same time, that back and forth battle. I know a lot of times we usually see this with athletes or we see this mm-hmm. with individuals who, um, you know, and, and, and I'll just throw it out there as an example, but Antonio Brown, right? We talk about a cat like right. A.B., right? You know, who, who, who came from nothing, worked mm-hmm. hard. When he got there, what happens? Like we rest on those laurels sometimes and, and we, we might not be as deep in as others are, but even those small decisions sometimes can really make a huge difference when it comes to the path led. And it sounds like that's where you found yourself.
1: Definitely. I would say it's, it's the smaller decisions leading up to. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. What's
1: so crazy is that I never, uh, it took me to do self-reflection to really think about this. So it, what happened is I, I ended up spending four years in prison. Mm-hmm. During my senior year, um, I, I, I got in this situation. Uh, the following year, I was then sentenced to four years in prison. Wow. And before I could finish four years at an undergraduate level and get a bachelor's degree, I was being sentenced to four years in prison. And it was small steps that led up to that. Like, you know, it were many times where I had drugs in the car with me, and I would get pulled over for a seatbelt ticket or speed it Right. And, and I would get away with it. But it would be something in the back of my head, like, oh, that could have been bad for you. Mm-hmm. Things that that led up to it, like me uh, getting into it with some of the guys that, you know, I was running with and making this money with, like, man, yeah, I'm about to go ahead, and get out of it. It ain't worth the hassle or the stress of dealing with all this when I already got, I'm so academically sound on this side when I could just take this route. But, you know, from where I come from, we want the quick money, you know what I mean? Right, want- right. The easy way out. And if, if that was a way to make easy money, I seen it as an opportunity and I became an opportunist uh, in this type of way.
0: Exactly. Man, you carry such a great uh, story, T, and I think it's going to be amazing um, as we get ready to dive into the second portion of this podcast, as we talk about things that are going on with students with COVID-19 and them kind of having their life change in an instant, right? And I'm so excited to hear what you've got to bless us with as we go through. But before we do that, we're gonna take a quick break here, get a message from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back on the Between the Dream podcast, and I'm here today with my special guest, T. James, all the way from Detroit, Michigan, who has been laying it down as far as telling his story. Um, Now, T., you expressed to us about going through everything as far as the decisions being made and being locked up from those decisions while having some academic success take place already, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. a part of one of the, uh, the, the groups that deals with our, uh, that works with our trio students from around the country. And this week I saw something that was pretty alarming. And I thought about you immediately, which is why I was like, man, I gotta, we gotta make this episode right here happen. Right. And uh-huh. so in that, man, you carried the experience of being locked up. You know what it's like to have your freedom stripped of you. You know what it's like to have things change in a moment of trauma and in in these issues that you um man, you 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 had no idea that were getting ready to come from one decision or from something done, whether in your control or out of your control, right? right. And so in that man. Um, I I was thinking about what I was reading earlier this week. A friend of mine had posted talking about how you know students are um, are struggling right now when it comes to the fact that you've got instructors who are putting together online classes for students who've never had to use that learning platform and they are going crazy when it comes to really trying to figure it out because people aren't being flexible per se, right? Um, you've also got yeah. other folks who are talking about students who are going through the the the, the academic anxiety um, that they were currently faced just as a student regularly, but now obviously with COVID-19 happening and everything else kind of bringing more pressure, it's bringing about the frustration. Some are having like the mental anguish that's associated with the increasing compounding academic work now with this change. And then, you know, man, to be honest, like some are just having, dealing with the, the lack of motivation, the procrastination, sleep patterns change, which I know you could probably Definitely. touch Definitely heavy. Right? And so with all of these different things, man, our students are struggling, right? They're going through. As somebody who's had to live this in a space that was probably of greater isolation than what people are doing with COVID-19, what advice would you give to them right now as students who are trying to figure this out? And maybe even some of the adults and staff members as well
1: right so this is you know and i keep this with me because you know this this exact quote that i created it it helped me through that time and and i've told this to many several individuals i even said this in interviews but i feel like it's perfect to say in this moment is that you don't know as a person what you're capable of doing until you have to do it exactly until you have to do it to where there's nothing else that you can do, where, where there's no other, you know, outcome or no other results, or there's, there's nothing else that you can do. So specifically for me, there was no way I could not be in prison. That's, that's what I was sentenced to. That's the law. That's what I had to do. Mm So it's like, I can't can't do this, but I had to do it. You know, when you can't do something, we'll put yourself in that position and then see what you do and then break it to the COVID-19. We never foreseen this coming. I never foreseen prison coming. Yeah. So, but in a position where it's, hey, staying home, only essential workers. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I, I guess I'm about to stay at home. I, and I guess if I'm an essential worker, I'm going to go out. I'm going to yeah. do the things I have to do. And then the academic perspective is okay. It's a curveball. You know what I mean? The same thing. It was a curveball for me to go in prison and lose all that I had, but I still had to stay mentally sound. And the same thing for this, you have to stay mentally sound when you're, you know, in the academic field, you know what your goals are, you know what you want to accomplish. So you have to do what you have to do to make sure you reach those goals.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, and I think that's great that you stated that, right? Because of the fact that, you know, I feel like with what what we're experiencing and definitely with what students are experiencing, it's either two or threefold, right? The first fold is what you just talked about, right? Like a big part of this is being able to tap into gifts and abilities that you didn't know you possess. The second component that I'm thinking about, too, is that unlike somebody like yourself who you like, bro, you were locked up like you were in prison. Completely different. Right. Like at least, you know, students here, we have liberties and freedoms. And I think Mm -hmm. a big part of it um, on this whole threefold piece is the perspective aspect. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously, before we can get to a space of perspective, we got to be able to take a step back to really look at the controllables and then the uncontrollables. Right mm-hmm. and in the—that's the, what I mean because that—that's the reality and it's like I, I empathize with our students so much because I know that these struggles are real. I know that the feelings that they are dealing with are real. I know that that anxiety piece is real. It's, but one yes. of the easiest ways to 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 beat down your anxiety is by breaking down the full experience and making sense of it. Otherwise, what happens mm-hmm. is you just allow thoughts to navigate back and forth, you feel that pressure, and then you lose yourself in the thoughts, really not giving yourself perspective on what is reality and what's simply a thought trying to drive you crazy. So I I,
1: I would say like for students, you know, because for me as a student before I was incarcerated, I always felt like I had control over every aspect of my life. I'm the ruler uh, of, you know, the decisions I make and the outcomes of it. So when you're being put into a position where you see the lack of control that you have, it seems so far-fetched to you that you didn't even think it could happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, control controlled and the uncontrollable. If you're somebody that always thinks you have control over every situation, and then you find yourself in a situation you have no control, you, you, you're you almost going to lose your mind. You know yeah, what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: wrap your mind around the aspect of, let me not worry about the things that I can't control. Yeah. And be one of the hardest things to do in life. Okay. It's not worry about that. You know what I mean? Because it took me, like I said, being incarcerated for four years, I probably I probably would say I didn't come to terms to understanding that I could control uh, the situation or outcome not until two and a half, three years in. Wow. It really, it really settled in. So for individuals and students to be hit out of nowhere within a week or two week span and say, hey, you got to sit down for 30 days or 60 days or you can't do this or you can't do that it's going to take them take them some time to really wrap their minds around that aspect. And then when they're able to do that, then I think that's when the true growth can start to take place.
0: Gotcha, right. So we got to be able to take in what we're seeing right now. And this is specifically for our students. Take it all in in portions, right? Um, I think one of the things that we've got to be able to do when we are presented, and I, I wish I had known this when I was a student in high school and even college, was that, yo, like, you will only be able to control what's in your realm to control. And in that, everything else that you can't control will work itself out accordingly. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what we tend to see is that we get the upper hand when we, instead of allowing the exhaustion of the idea of what's to come, put us into a position where we're so tired and we're so stressed out that we don't do anything, we make the small investments to at least do some things Right. Because that is essentially it's like sowing an apple seed into a ground like you're still sowing the seed that's going Mm -hmm. to grow. And instead of allowing the anxiety to make you do nothing or cause you to not want to do anything, it's simply just to say, like, yo, baby steps matter. Right. So
1: (laughs) how did you because you said that it's like it was an individual uh, that I was incarcerated with, that kind of like helped me through through that time. And he kind of like poured into me as, like you said, planting that seed so it can still grow. And as students, we have to understand that. that And, and what he used to tell me all the time is like, man, it's not going to be forever. Yep. You know what I mean? It this feels is feels like it is. Forever. So continue to make strides and continue to make steps to the same goals that you had in mind, but now you have to do it in a different way. You know what I mean? So if, we, if our goal as, you know, students in college or in high school is graduation or a degree or a diploma, you know, we still make those strides. We still do the, the, the online work aspect, mm-hmm. still reach out to our professors. We still reach out to our mentors, but in a different way. Yeah. Well, Incarcerated, I still wanted to, you know, be successful in a certain realm in higher education. So I began to take smaller steps and read more and write more, even though there was nothing, you know, that drastic I could do at that moment. Those smaller things helped me, you know, continue to propel. So when it's all over, I still know I have, you know, enough work put in that I can still reach the next level.
0: That's dope man that's dope. I um and I think that that's the approach that we got to be able to take, right? Um another piece that I'm thinking about is uh our belief system is so important and I know you could probably attest to this more than most can when mm-hmm. it comes to being able to see brighter days at the end of the tunnel, right? Um yes. and so as somebody who was incarcerated and having to spend that time, bro, like I'm pretty sure Hours felt like days, right? And, man, and yeah, you. Yeah. And so, man, in I that, with our love. students, or with our students, what we're seeing is that um, the, the 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 third fold for this, for me, is being able to find a space of hope that things are going to get better, and that what I'm experiencing right now is not the end all, be all for my life.
1: Right. So, what I say, the light at the end of the tunnel, you you can't see it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't see it. Me being incarcerated that time, four years felt like 40. So, what I will share is that I had to complete with the idea that I would only be spending one year in prison. Mm. Behavior and things of that nature, I will be released. So, when that one year came and it left, my heart dissipated. Like, Mm. I had lost, I kind of lost hope. And I filed for early releases like 14 times and was denied 14 times from a judge just because. Wow. Even Even granted all the things that I had before, all the academic prowess and success, never had gotten any trouble. And while I was incarcerated, I still was denied those opportunities. So hope, I was losing all hope. To compare it to the time that we're in now is that recently, you know, students were like, You know, oh, we only got a two week quarantine and then next thing you know, the president adds another 30 days. So I compare that same aspect and that same mindset to there because it's like, oh, okay, we were denied the opportunity to leave out the house and do things of that nature, but we still can't, you know, lose aspect of the goals that's at hand. You know, we know that one, we know this won't be forever. We know this is not going to be forever, and that's what we have to understand. Earlier in our podcast, you said, "I remember you saying, wrapping your minds around the entirety of the situation, finding out all the information and logistics of it. Do your research, yeah. find more about what's going on, so you know, you know what you're what you're dealing with or what you find yourself in." Yeah.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned the research part because I think as we get ready to close, that is what I'm thinking is going to be so beneficial for so many students in this season. Um, It's amazing because we talk about like having our phones, right? And and the reality is, is that when you look at your phone, you've got everything at your fingertips. Most of the time when we look at our phone, what we have at our fingertips is the ability to use Worldstar, YouTube, TikTok, (laughs) all the social media pieces and everything, right? But- what happens if we started substituting some of that time, right? Um, And and you and I talked about this off air when I was talking about the podcast. And I had to really start looking into what are some of the best platforms to use when it comes to how to be able to interview people and to do um, the editing portion on my own, to do all of these piecings together. And I look at it the same way when it comes to Yes, we might not be educated on how to utilize certain platforms, but I guarantee you that the very questions that you have for the things that you are currently feeling and experience, there are there are answers answer. out there. It's an answer to it. But what is that? I mean, and it kind of goes back into a passage that we would hear from uh from scripture that talks about you know my people perish for a lack of knowledge right Mm -hmm. and so and then in following up with this idea of being able to study to show yourself approved research study in order to be approved and in order to actually thrive in certain areas you have got to go out and seek the knowledge because it is there It's just a matter of changing up our normal flow from how we would do things. So that 45 to an hour that we sitting on the toilet, scrolling through social media and our legs start to feel like static at the end. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like now it's time to say, yo, let me switch this up. And instead of me freaking out, let me go ahead and see, because yo, with with Al Gore's internet, something out here has something for me that can help me in this moment.
1: Right. So what I can say to that, being being incarcerated, there are there's a tremendous lack of resources. So you didn't have the the ability to go right on the phone and and Google an answer like, you know, individuals in in society can today. So for me, what's ironic, me and my guy, we taught classes at the institution. I also helped over 40 individuals get their GED. So going back in there, it kind of like it kind of like helped me think about the things that I'm good at. You know ways that I can help people, and if I if I can't find an answer that easy, what ingenuity can I do to get that answer? That's good. So in in prison, you know, all we had was books, or all you had was the ability to phone a friend to ask a question or ask for help. So I I think in in this situation now, that's what we need to do. Come come as a collective as students, you know, and, and create a group of individuals that you can see. Uh, that you know are prosperous or maybe having the same uh, issues that you are having, you know, having the same fears, facing those same fears and y'all come together and create a group to help each
0: other out, yeah, to yeah.
1: Help each other, to ask each other questions. And if somebody may not know they answer, they may have a connection to find that answer out.
0: So that embrace a community is going to be so important. That's really good, bro. That's really good, man. Um, I'm so grateful for you being able to just come on a podcast today and take this time to, to talk this out with us. And hopefully our students who are listening, um, you all can take from this, right? Um, and this is not to take away from how you all feel right now with everything that's been going on because everything that you feel is valid. Everything that you are going through is valid. But it is to say, hey, let's take a step back and breathe. And as T. James gave us that insight, it is about perspective. It's about what can we control right now, and before I allow the lie of anxiety and the overwhelming feelings that come with the lie to put me in a space where I shut down, because that's what happens, we tend to shut down when we feel anxious a lot of times, or we pick up bad alternatives for things that help us cope. And the reality Mm -hmm. is, is that we're opening up doorways and then we fall into some of these bad, like you mentioned, TJ, small decisions, right? Not the big stuff, but it it happens. T. James, before we get off of here, brother, I just want to say thank you. And real quick, where can people follow you? All the social medias, whatever you got for us, give it to us.
1: Uh, So people can follow me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, at uh, two underscores T.E.E. James, two underscores T.E.E. James. You guys can search on YouTube. Uh, I have also links in my bios on both of those platforms uh, for my docu-series, Beat the Eyes, Black Educated and Tested. Uh, where they're about 20 to 30 minute docu series, very interesting, uh, very uh, full with a lot of awareness and information. Uh, very cool to watch. Uh, it's going to be intriguing as well. Uh, last thing that I want to say to everybody, and I keep this with me, uh, the uh, album by uh, Meek Mill, Championships. Man, that's, that that album got me through a uh, got me through a lot, got yes, my sir. mind in different ways. And I know everybody heard uh, the slogan or the phrase where they say, uh, "Chances make champions." Uh, But I want y'all to – I want to challenge y'all to think about that in a different way, in a critical way, and let y'all know that choices make champions. Chances don't make champions because you got to take that chance. You got a choice to read that book. You got a choice to start that business, to start that podcast. You got that choice to be that innovator, that motivator, and that educator and learn from me uh, from making those right and wrong choices.
0: Love it. T. James, thank you so much for joining the Between the Dream podcast today, bro. I appreciate you so much. Hey, we're going to have to do this again, right? Yeah,
1: definitely, man. Now that you you are, man, I'm going
0: to have to bring you back.
1: You tell me the time, I'm going to meet you there, man.
0: Let's make it happen. All right, brother. Well, look, much love to you. Please take care of yourself out there in Detroit, man. Um, man. Just continue to love on the people and bless them, all right? All right, man.
1: Appreciate you, Rich, man. Take it easy.
0: Hey, you too. To my listeners, till next time.